The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Experience the difference. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. better get healthy and help animals welcome to main street vegan with your host victoria moran film is at its most powerful when it depicts a life whether true or fictional that makes those who watch determined to be better people now that happened to me when i saw norma ray and Aaron Brockovich, Gorillas in the Mist, Selma, Sully, and it happened today when I viewed a screener of the new documentary, Running for Good, about Fiona Oaks. Now, I knew Fiona's story as a champion ultramarathoner, a wonderful vegan who has a fabulous animal sanctuary in the UK. She was actually a guest on the program in 2015. I invite you to check that out in the archives. And she is back as the subject of this new film from Keegan Kuhn, award-winning co-director of Cowspiracy and What the Health. This is going to be an amazing program because I will be speaking with amazing human beings. I'm Victoria Moran, your host for this hour. You can check out what I'm up to at MainStreetVegan.net. And I invite you to join the Main Street Podcast listeners group on Facebook for the inside scoop on this program and the people that we have on. But without further ado, Keegan Kuhn and the inimitable Fiona Oaks. Welcome to the program. Hi. Thanks so much. Oh, so we have the little bit of challenge that we are all over the world. Mm. <laughs> so Fiona, are you in England right now? Yeah, I'm in the UK, yeah. I'm at at the, the sanctuary? sanctuary? Yep, oh. yep, yep, yep. And the lambs, I guess, the lambs that I saw in the film are now sheep. They are big feet and they're doing really, really well. But I've had the most hectic 48 hours rescuing animals you can possibly imagine. My family has just grown by 30 members. Oh, my God. <laughs> and who are they and what happened? Um, we decided we were going to go um, and check out a livestock sale uh, yesterday. Um 
and we went up there and it was absolutely horrendous but with the help of a couple of people one being a farmer we managed to um get some animals out um the farmer who helped us then mentioned to us that he got to get home because um he'd had some of his sheep attacked by a dog um they were grazing on the salt marshes and um he'd rounded them up and he wanted to go back and check them out at how bad the injuries were um and when he actually got home he found that the injuries were very extensive and he was gonna have to to shoot them basically unless um we wanted to try and help them as in the capacity of a sanctuary we went over there this morning and collected them and um it's been absolute madness um, since one sadly passed away. The other two, um, my farm vets have worked on for like four hours this afternoon. And Martin then got in the lorry and drove one of them to Cambridge Veterinary Hospital, where a very, very, very kind hearted vet up there and five medical students are currently operating on this poor, um, poor lamb. So um, it's been it's been pretty frenzied today. <laughs> Well, I think everybody can hear just from this short introduction to Fiona. Fiona, don't listen, because I know you're really humble and you don't like to hear all kinds of great things about yourself. There are stars in this movement and there are saints in this movement. And I'm talking to one of those today. So, Keegan, there are plenty of people, great, famous, athletic people that you could have made a documentary about. I mean, you've got Rich Roll in this one doing the narration, but you opted to make the film about Fiona. Why? I mean, just as you said, you know, Fiona is goes up and beyond what most activists do and what most activists take on. And I really couldn't think of a better person to highlight and that was deserving of a feature film made about than Fiona Oaks. I mean, she, not only her physical achievements, which are absolutely astronomical, but what she does on a daily basis. And as we just heard, taking in the most extreme cases, the animals that need the most help, that need the most care, and ultimately also need the most financial help, um, yet she takes on so willingly. And that's somebody who I think this community, this movement, and the entire world really should be getting behind. It is so true. Now, in terms of the running, Fiona is a quadruple Guinness World Record holder, including being the fastest woman to run a marathon on seven continents, plus the North Pole, in aggregate time, as well as elapsed days. And in the film, you show her doing this grueling, grueling, horrible, awful, how could anybody do this for any reason, marathon in North Africa. What was the significance of that one? Um, I mean, the significance of it is that Marathon de Sable, which is considered uh, the toughest foot race on Earth, is, is kind of heralded as the toughest foot race on Earth, is this 250-kilometer race through the Sahara Desert, six days, self-sufficient, you have to carry all your own food, uh, everything you need for the six days while you run. And it's a marathon every day, and then one day the double marathon. So to have this, the star of this film, Yoga, not only has she broken these world records, set world records, but then doing these extreme stage races, ultra stage races, breaks that whole stereotype that veganism holds you back from anything. So it's kind of the perfect race uh, to highlight in a film. And then on top of that, it's stunningly beautiful through the Sahara Desert. And Fiona, you didn't do this having the world's best body. Can you share a little bit about that? 
<laughs> no, I definitely haven't got the world's best body. In fact, when I saw the film and 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 Keegan, uh, I, I thought I thought I, c- I kind of must look all right running, and I'd never really focus on myself at all. And I watched myself coming through the desert like some little Quasimodo figure with this giant backpack limping along. Um, I've got a knee injury, knee injury which I carried from my teenage years, and um, I was told I would never walk properly, let alone be able to to ever run. Um, I still can't run downhill. At at all very well um I don't run because I love running and I'm certainly not a talented runner um I make up for my lack of um talent or ability just for the reason I'm out there I'm only doing it for the animals to do precisely what Keegan says to show that being um practically a lifelong plant-based human being does not prohibit you or exclude you from from doing anything and so I kind of figured in my my tiny mind that if um, if I can go out there and you know, break world records they'll do these ultra events entirely plant-based ethically plant-based as well that other people should not be deterred from from kind of adopting that lifestyle and to me you can tell people things but if you show them you lead by example it's a lot easier for them to actually take on board your message um, right. certainly for me and this is just not some little chondromalacia problem that you had years ago. You actually are missing a kneecap, correct? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. I'm completely missing off the kneecap. It's, it's okay. I mean, it's it's like, it's painful when I run. And that's why I took to road running initially, because I can run kind of in straight lines on tarmac, on even surfaces. Um, it hurts. It certainly hurts towards the back end of a marathon, but you're always hurting at the back end of a marathon. So something's got to stand out. It's it probably the, the knee injury just diverts from every other bit of me that's hurting kind of thing and I just focus on that um but um yeah it's it's quite severe I mean for for, for actually going downhill is, is the worst for me I, I really don't like that Climbing's quite difficult um I wasn't sure about it I can dislocate it very very easily so being off-road um being in kind of rough terrain is is it's kind of it's kind of hard for me it's it's it's, it's kind of hard And this is what's remarkable about you. You say it's kind of hard when I think most people with two just fine knees would say, this is ridiculous. I am getting out of here. But you don't leave. You said in the film you were there in Africa and it was hot. You had just come off the flu. It was just not the best day ever. And you said, but there are people in lots worse situations and they can't just say, I'm going to go off to my luxury house now. And the animals can't do that either. Tell us about your motivation. Well, that's just the truth of it. I mean, a lot of people don't like to hear the truth, but that is the harsh reality. This is all I can do to promote what I believe in. But I'm always very, very well aware that at the end of the day, I'm so privileged to live in the UK that you know people are very often asked me for instance what do you eat and I, I'm really not too fussed about what I eat as long as it's plant-based I mean it is um, pretty much well documented that we do get donations from supermarkets for end of date fruit and vegetables and very often for the pigs um, and very often that's what I eat I cut the bad bits off or my mum does she prefers the food and I eat that because we need all our money for the animals and with 450-ish and an ever-expanding amount of mouths to feed um, mine's the last one I actually ever focus on and truthfully I think that I live in a country where I don't have to be frantically worried about where the next meal is coming from. I, I'm always going to have 
enough food to eat. So to kind of be so choicy and picky about it seems really abhorrent to me because I've just got enough. And that's the most important thing. I've got enough fuel to put inside my body to carry on doing the things that really are important. And I'm not that important kind of thing. I mean, I, I, I don't value myself that highly that I'm that fussed about anything other than the purpose I was put here for, which is to help others. That's that's the honest truth. Well, then the rest of us can value you highly for all that you do. Now, you mentioned your mother. And before we move back to Keegan, I just want to ask about your mom and your mm-hmm. upbringing. And the reason is, well, because I met your mom. That was wonderful uh, when I was in the UK a few years ago. But also because I have a daughter who is cut somewhat from the same cloth as you. She was sick her entire childhood and adolescence with asthma and bronchitis, quite severe pneumonia a couple of times very badly. And she is now still vegan, of course, a stunt performer, an aerialist on a 10-month tour as a superhero, and a wildlife rehabilitator. So I feel like she's kind of a, you know, junior you or aspirational Mm. you so but I don't feel like I had anything to do with that I feel like I was just so lucky that this was the kid who found me so tell us about your childhood and your relationship with your mother how much credit do we owe her everything really she's still by my side today in fact she actually lives with me and she still does all the food preparation I mean mum is my rock um she hasn't always I think fully understood what I'm about but she's tried to back me and she's tried her very very best and she does continue to do that to this day and I don't always feel very comfortable going out and doing public speaking because it's I I don't feel worthy to be standing in front of others sort of saying and I've done this and I've done that it's like who's interested kind of thing Fiona Um, but um, I feel that it's important because so many especially young people um, need kind of role models and they need role models for their families as well and um, my mum's always been there supporting me and okay when things have been really bad and down you've got no one to turn to the rest of my family haven't backed me in the same way but mum always has. She's always defended me. And when I, I kind of say, um, when I was three, I went vegetarian. When I was six, I wanted to go vegan. But at the time, I didn't just declare to my mum, I want to go vegan, mummy, because I didn't really know what vegan was. It was a concept. It was a reaction to cruelty. I don't, it was abhorrent to me that animals were being exploited in any way. Um, so it was more of a reaction to that violence in the same way that if somebody came at you and kind of wielding an axe, you'd veer away from it you'd put you'd withdraw from it and that's how I felt and my mum backed me and this is the 1970s information sharing wasn't that easy it wasn't you couldn't just google search what is what is a vegan diet she had it pretty tough she was accused of child abuse by health professionals because bearing in mind I was hospitalized a lot in my teenage years and then the diet flagged up when I was in hospital and it was not easy for my mom because um, it's a fairly complicated family background but my dad was actually um, in the mining industry and he was on strike so had no income for a, a, a large period of the time and uh, my mum was um, a student nurse my mum's actually a pianist and she went to nursing quite late in her career so she was kind of being harangued on a double side not just an abusive parents but she was actually inside the profession that was in- accusing her of being cruel to me by not literally making me eat meat 
and dairy products and um it was very very difficult but my mum is is um quite tenacious she's quite a rock and she's she said no I mean it would be more cruel to force her to eat something that she's obviously not comfortable with and um to lie to a child is is more wrong than telling the truth surely and she she sought to tell the truth as much as the truth she could find so yeah mum's always there she supports me still she still doesn't understand a lot of what I do but especially with the running she's kind of oh not another race or I've just no. got back from another race or oh, off to Antarctica next month not again um <laughs> but she backs it yeah she does she does back it she does try oh. she even tried to last year she even tried to do her own mini marathon the sable she did a six mile walk every day to get the marathon the sable distance in in a month to raise funds for the animals so she really really does my mum's a big trier not big trier oh. Then she's a champion too. It's she it's is. in your DNA. So, Keegan, how did you find Fiona? How did you guys connect? You know, it's really interesting. Uh, gosh, five years ago, uh, Kip Anderson and I, my co-director from Cowspiracy, were doing a crowdfunding campaign to try and release Cowspiracy, our, our first film together. And I believe Martin reached out to us and said, "Hey, we heard about the campaign. It looks phenomenal. Let us know if there's any way we can support." the work that you're doing. And I looked up who these people were and I thought, gosh, everything that Fiona and Martin are doing at the sanctuary and then all the races that Fiona's doing, you know, how can we support you? What, what can we do to help spread, you know, your awareness? Um, and Kip and I did Cowspiracy and What the Health together. And I had this little spot of, of time where I thought, you know, I want to do another film and I want to do a film that a sports documentary, really, because there's some really phenomenal sports documentaries out there, but they're all kind of highlighting people who are doing something just to bolster their own ego. You know, for the most part, it's, I want to be the best in the world at X just so I can be the best in the world. And then you have someone like Fiona who wants to be the best in the world simply for the reason of having a platform to talk about veganism and about rescuing animals and compassionate living. Um, and so I thought, hey, this would be a great film. There's also, a, a, I think, a real strong need to have more female-dominated media, especially in the vegan community. We're a predominantly female movement, and yet the media still tends to be focused, really male-focused or, or hyper-masculine sort of sports documentaries. And so there's a there's a real need. And so you really also couldn't ask for a better character for a documentary than Fiona. Oh, because there's so much depth. It's not just the sports. And one of the just, it's like, wait a minute. What did she just say? Fiona, you're not really big on running. No. <laughs> I, I understand. Yeah. <laughs> no, I kind of speaking, when the vets were here today, they, they were talking about my achievements. They got a couple of vet students with them. And I was going like, who actually enjoys running? Because I don't really. I know I do. No, that's a complete lie. Uh, it's not a complete lie. It's um, I kind of enjoy the fact, and I feel very privileged that I am able to run because it's uh, it's insulting to people who cannot do that. And there are lots of people out there for whatever reason that couldn't possibly do what I do. But because I tend to evaluate everything in terms of the reward and the payback I can get for the animals. If I am running, I ain't running for pleasure. I am running to actually get out there and get 100% out of myself every time I put on my trainers. And therefore, I do push to the absolute limit. And if you are pushing to the absolute limit, it really, really hurts. And my training and my running is about making it hurt so that the animals don't have to hurt so much. 
So um, it's hard for me to say I enjoy it because I'm usually frantically pushed for time when I'm doing it. Um, and I, I know when I go out there, even though I kid myself, oh, I'm supposed to be doing 20 miles today. I'll just go out and do a few and see how I feel. I never, ever don't beat my targets when I'm out. I know that eventually I'm going to go out there and I'm going to stay out there and I'm going to do the 20 miles or I'm going to hit the speed sessions because I know I always kind of trigger in and remember why I'm out there doing it. But I've got no talent for running. I, I'm fully well aware of that. I just actually uh, I've got an awful lot of um, grit and determination and I'm extremely stubborn. And I the my one the, the one thing about me, I realise I'm not very good at anything and I actually take that on board and I, and I, I always want to learn and do better rather than thinking, hey, that was a pretty cool race. I ran such and such a time or I, I won this or whatever. I, I realise that I always want to achieve more and that's what drives me on to keep me going, I think. Um, and just realised in my lack of ability, actually, is, is you know, I'm, I'm not that good. Um, so I've got to work very, very hard to achieve what I want to achieve. Your amount of discipline, it blows me away. I mean, I wondered today if I would go through this show just being speechless because I am in such awe and, and you just, you so humbled me by watching it, just the things that I can complain about. And I feel like today I can't complain about anything ever, ever again. Where, where did, Have you always been this determined and this disciplined before you became an animal rights activist were you driven then too? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I was. I mean, my mum said there was obviously something very different about me from the minute I was literally born. I mean, it was very, very different. I am very, very, I know where I get it from. I get it from my grandfather. He was very, very similar to me. So I can actually identify uh, where, where this comes from. But yeah, I mean, if I've got to do something, I, I will do it. I will, or I will die trying. I, I do not believe in um, failure. Failure doesn't come in to, to the equation with me. And, and it's actually the reason I'm doing it, the reason I'm living my life this way. It's it's always there with me. I, and if ever I do doubt, and I do get tired, yeah, for sure I get tired, for sure I get, I, I get down, but I always remember why I'm out there doing what I'm doing. And that spurs me on, that motivates me, that inspires me. That's all I need. And yeah, it is... Sometimes it's a strange juxtaposition doing what I do. I look after animals. That's basically what my life is about. The running is very secondary. I'm Miss Amateur when it comes to running. I'm fully professional when it comes to looking after the animals. Obviously not in terms of a salary. We don't take anything from the sanctuary. We put our own money in. But that's my calling in life. That's what I'm privileged to be able to do. So on the one hand, I see the success of what I'm doing in terms of each individual life at the sanctuary is cared for and blessed and looked after and cherished. It has dignity in both life and dignity towards the end of life, which is very, very important. But on the other hand, when I'm out there looking after these animals, I always remember the ones that aren't so fortunate. And that's always for instance what we when we got on the food donation program from the big supermarket I remember one day in the summertime it was very very hot and we got a load of bananas and uh, watermelons so um I thought oh late evening snack for the pigs I'll take them over the road and to see these little pigs was 121 pigs <laughs> come running over for these bananas and all the fresh fruit 
And yes, it's a joy. You see how excited they were and they were making choices. No, I don't want a banana. I want the watermelon. I want this. I want that. And then you remember the ones that don't. You remember the ones that are in farrowing crates. You remember the ones that won't see the light of day ever in their lives. They might get a sniff of fresh air when they go into an abattoir. And that's very sad because each life is as important as the ones that are here. And these are just a fraction, a tiny fraction. And people say to me, but they're lucky. They're not lucky. They're just getting what their right their right is, their, what they deserve. It's the ones out there that have been abused that I won't say that they're unlucky. It's just appalling. Um, so for me, yeah, it, it, there are highs and there are lows. Um, and obviously that's why I started running because, you know, I could take in 450 animals. I could take in 500, 600, but that's, that's nothing. I've got to address the cause, the reason that these animals are needing rescuing. And um, that's always the closest. That's from the minute I wake up to the minute I go to sleep. And very often when what I'm thinking of when I'm, I'm dreaming. Is, is just helping more and doing more because life's short and you're a long time dead. So you've got to make a difference whilst you're here. Well, you are absolutely doing that. And honestly, Fiona, if you could bottle your discipline and determination and sell that, there would be so much money for the animals. We could probably make the world vegan in about three days. But since that's not possible, you're, you're doing everything else. And we are going to have a hard stop at half past the hour. So I just want to ask Keegan, how can people see the film and get involved? And then we'll come back for more big talk after our break. Yeah, so people can see the film at runningforgoodfilm.com. You can also just Google search Running for Good, uh, Running for a Good Film, or even Fiona Oaks, and the film should pop up. Uh, right now, you can stream the film on Vimeo. You can also get download there. The film will be up on iTunes, Google Play, and Amazon in the next, I believe, two weeks. Um, and then people can also organize screening, which folks are doing all around the world uh, through our website, runningforgoodfilm.com. You can organize a community screening or a theatrical screening pretty much anywhere in the world. Oh, that's amazing. I hope somebody does one in New York City because it was so fabulous on my laptop <laughs> that I think on a big screen it would, wow. I started to say it would be life-changing, but it, it already has been. So how about uh, how people can support your work, Fiona? Um, well, pretty much in the same way. If they, they look at Tower Hill Stables Animal Sanctuary, um, that's got all, all the buttons there that you to press to actually, you know, donate or uh, the links. I don't have too much, to be honest with you, I don't have too much to do with it. Martin does all that. I, I okay. always feel very embarrassed asking people for um, financial support or support. Um, I don't know, it's, it's difficult for me. Um, you know to impose on people to ask uh, it's, it's just not I've always kind of tried to fend for myself but it's obviously not possible um but um yeah if they go the links are all up there if they search for me Fiona Oaks uh, they can write they can you know email us they can go through the Facebook page or Twitter or Instagram or whatever just get in touch and you know they can fundraise they can buy things off the Amazon wish list um multiple ways to help um anything every every single penny of everything we get goes directly to the animals we have no no fundraising we take nothing out for ourselves at all and and i think uh, we probably figured that just having spoken with you for the past 26 minutes so um let's take our break we're going to come back with more inspiration and wonder with keegan coon and fiona oaks stay with us 
Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Unity Online Radio is bringing the message of unity to thousands of spiritual seekers around the world. If you enjoy our programming, we invite you to support it by visiting unityonlineradio.org and clicking on Donate Now. Help us continue to provide inspiring content to everyone. Thank you for your support. Here's a Unity Meditation Minute with Paulette Pipe. So as always, we begin our time of meditation by first taking account of what we're feeling, those sights that we're seeing, those sensations that we're experiencing, and each breath that we breathe. Notice where in your body you're experiencing those sensations. Let your breathing find its own rhythm. As we begin the process of letting go, the process of relaxation. Remember why we're here. To hear more from Paulette Pipe and Touching the Stillness, visit the archives section at unityonlineradio.org. Did you know Unity has published a new book by Eric Butterworth? This wonderful writer and teacher, who is loved by so many people, left a recorded class called Practical Metaphysics that has now been turned into a book. It's Vintage Butterworth. He explains how to live from a deeper state of consciousness and awaken to health, love, prosperity, and peace of mind. Practical Metaphysics. Find it online by going to unity.org and click shop. Join your favorite spiritual teachers for the most extraordinary Soul Fest of the year, November 2nd through 5th, at the Celebrate Your Life Conference in Phoenix, Arizona. This transformational weekend event features some of the world's leading spiritual new thought leaders, including Marianne Williamson, Neil Donald Walsh, Dr. Joe Dispenza, Caroline Mace, Greg Braden, Denise Lynn, and more. Unity listeners save an additional $75 off with coupon code UNITY. Visit CelebrateYourLifeEvents.com. That's CelebrateYourLifeEvents.com and register today. Expand your mind and open yourself up to new ideas with Janet Connor and the Soul Directed Life. Every Thursday at 1 p.m. Central here on UnityOnlineRadio.org. Janet talks with some of the leading voices in the world of mind, body, and spirit. Each week, you'll hear fascinating stories, practical information, and ideas to inspire you to follow your soul's calling. Janet is right there with you on the journey. Listen live or on demand here on UnityOnlineRadio.org. Call now with your question or comment. 816-251-3555. That's 816-251-3555. Welcome back to Main Street Vegan with your host, Victoria Moran. Welcome back to more with filmmaker Keegan Kuhn and Fiona Oaks, the subject of the 
most wonderful film. You just have to watch it. Running for Good, the Fiona Oaks documentary. Just a couple of announcements. Uh, the blog post this week at MainStreetVegan.net is from a lovely, lovely animal activist, Fiona Singer, and it's about the honeybee. And she is very much a vegan who says that honey belongs to those bees. And this is why it's quite poetic. I think you'll love it. And also we have a sponsor, a compliment. And it's a wonderful supplement that you can just spray. You don't have to swallow a pill and you get your B12, your D3 and your omega-3 fatty acids. That was designed by Matt Fraser, meat-free athlete and by uh, Pamela Ferguson, PhD dietitian. And if you think that you might want to know more about that, just go to alpineorganics.co. And if you want to get some, put Main Street Vegan in the um, discount box and you'll save 10%. Now, back to the real business, these people who are inspiring the heck out of me. Last week, Fiona Oaks won the AMP Award for Brave Britons. So if you're in the UK, you know all about that. It's an incredibly big deal and got you some press out there in the real world. But as we saw in the film, sometimes the media doesn't want to even give you the opportunity to say you're vegan. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, things are changing now. And I think people have doubted the fact that... Um, that is a reality but it actually i i kind of noticed it over the years but i couldn't kind of put a, a word to it I, my running has always been about promoting veganism that's what i wanted to do promote my plant-based living and just show that you can do it on plant-based uh, diet and no matter what results i got I kind of like, you know, they might say, you know, Fiona runs an animal sanctuary or Fiona they never actually mentioned the fact that I was vegan and I thought well I mentioned it in the article and I, but why haven't they mentioned it you know in what they've written and um it was only recently somebody somebody actually coined the phrase veganophobia they've got this phobia against mentioning veganism um in a positive way you get veganism mentioned in a negative way indeed when um I just got back from one of these extreme races that I was doing. I, I think I come back from Namibia and people in the race had been kind of chased by lions and hyenas surrounding the camp. And so I got back and the phone rang and it was the BBC. Local radio wanted to talk, I thought, about the race. But no, they wanted to talk about whilst I'd been away, um, a, a, a poor lady had, had actually died. A climber had died on Everest and she was a vegan and they wanted me to comment on it. And I said, well, I didn't know her. And they said, well, she was a vegan. I said, well, it's not like four of us in the old world and we all know each other. Are you to connect telepathically or anything? And I said, you know, I don't think she probably died on Everest because she was vegan. I think she probably died on Everest because it's an extremely dangerous place to be. Uh, and quite a few people actually die on Everest. Indeed, a friend of mine died there a couple of years ago. And they were kind of really, really shocked. You know, I think they think vegans were like all eating like some sort of weird green soup that was shipped in from another planet. I don't know what they think. But when I actually won the North Pole Marathon, I came back um, 
and I broke the course record and I got up there with the men and it was all, all great. And um, the BBC actually contacted me, which was extremely unusual, and said, you know, we want, to, we want you to come up to Salford. We want you to open and close BBC Breakfast. This is fantastic news. You know, a, a British lady's gone out there and done this. And I thought, hey, ho, you know. Um, and then they said, we'll get a researcher to call you back in about half an hour and firm up the details, the travel arrangements. And when the researcher phoned back, she said, you know, this is this is stunning. You've done really well. But um, the only one thing is we, we don't want you to talk about the veganism. And I'm thinking, but that's the only reason I went there. I didn't go because I particularly wanted to go to the North Pole. In fact, I feel kind of guilty that I actually actually went out there because obviously with the climate change and, you know, I had one of the most humbling experiences of my life whilst I was out there. But I'd gone out there for a reason. Um, and to not allow me or want me to mention that in the interview was just bizarre because... It's kind of they'd have they felt comfortable if I'd have kind of gone and you know where, why did you go to the North Pole or run a marathon? Um, they they almost kind of embraced this idea that hey ho I'm just like you know some airhead that just wanted to put it on my bucket list. It's nothing like that at all. I wanted to go out there for a specific reason, and that specific reason was to prove that I, if I can run and win a marathon at the North Pole then this lifestyle is accessible to everyone. It's perfectly adequate and viable and feasible for everyone on this planet. Um, so in the end, I just cracked and decided to mention, mention it. Um, when they asked me why I'd done the marathon, I just said, you know, I wanted to celebrate um, the Vegan Society's Diamond Jubilee, which I'm an honorary patron of, and I wanted to do something kind of special and monumental for that and, and but there was absolutely no uptake on it and you know it's the whole kind of silence surrounded what I'd said and it's like kind of move on now yeah. um, but now things have changed I mean it, you know I think the mainstream media are having to embrace um veganism because so many there's so much positivity on there so many people now going vegan so many people are able to share their stories so it doesn't matter if you can't get in the mainstream media you can share your stories share your experiences on the internet so they can't really afford to uh, avoid it anymore um but it was extremely difficult it's been a real battle and I suppose it's challenged me to keep going because I think what do I need to do to actually get them to crack and actually acknowledge why I've done this and that was part of the reason of starting the vegan runner club back in 2004 I was running at the time for a vegetarian cycling and athletics club because that was the only affiliated club with any kind of um, acknowledgement of the reason I was out there running um, i.e the vegetarian but I'm not a vegetarian well I am a vegetarian but I'm vegan so it back in 2004 when I was getting the elite starts on like London Marathon or Berlin and getting invitations to races to actually be at the very front of these elite major marathons with the best runners in the world that was the time to start the vegan runner club because it's just like running through the streets of London with a billboard promoting what you believe in that was the idea behind it um that's been the idea the very simplistic idea behind anything I've ever done certainly in the athletics field um so yeah it, but it's hard it's really really difficult less so now people are more interested but up until 
about a year or two ago, you're kind of banging on the door asking people to let you speak. Now people are coming to you and they're wanting to find answers. So it is mo it's moved on from that period. But yeah, it's been, it's been a real challenge. And I've constantly been coming, coming up with plans to uh, to actually, in a proactive and positive way, promote what I believe in and get the press to kind of embrace it in some way um but it's 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 tough it's tough it still is tough um, well but... now you're a movie star it should be <laughs> ever more easy so Keegan <laughs> when I watched the film and I saw particularly those scenes in North Africa so not only was Fiona out there running in in very difficult terrain but you were filming there what was that like uh, it was epic. I, that I think is the only way to really describe it. Uh, started to work on this film, I knew I was going to have to do some running. And in the Sahara, I was running between 7 and 14 miles a day to try and keep up with Fiona to get the shots. Um, thankfully, Marathon de Sable MDS is accessible by vehicle about half the course. So I had a really talented, amazing Moroccan driver who knew the course really well. And so he would get me to about half the places to get the shots I need. And then the other half, he'd say, okay, you, you see that mountain range? <laughs> go over that mountain, go across the valley, and then you'll see the course. So it was a lot of uh, hiking and, and climbing over mountain ranges. And people think that the Sahara is just flat, sandy desert. But in fact, especially in Morocco, it's volcanic mountain ranges as well. Uh, so it was amazing. I love the desert and super thankful that I got the opportunity to go. And I think it shows off in the film that there's a really a, a cinematic approach to a sports documentary. Well, it's amazing what you did. And I noticed something that I thought was really fun in the credits. There were some <laughs> places there where it was Keegan Coon, Keegan Coon. And I was almost looking for, you know, custodial intern, Keegan Coon. <laughs> and this is not that you didn't have other great people with you on this film. I mean, certainly you, you had uh, James Cromwell as an executive producer. But in terms of just, you know, being there in the trenches, there's a lot of just you. So... Tell us about that. I'm particularly interested because I'm a producer for a new documentary uh, to introduce veganism to people who identify as religious or spiritual, um, a prayer for compassion. And just being part of that, I'm just seeing it's so much work for a lot of people, but for the filmmaker, I mean, it's almost like giving birth. You can have a great midwife and stuff, but it's that mom who's doing it and you're the parent of this movie. So tell us. <laughs> How that goes? How does it happen? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I, I'm, I feel very fortunate that my films have always been very low budget uh, by necessity. And so when you don't have a lot of money to work with, you learn to wear a lot of different hats and, you know, come up with a lot of different skill sets. And so it's the same with Cowspiracy and What the Health, my other previous films, is that there is a very short list of people who worked on those films um, most of the time it would be just kip and i my co-director and in this film being solo directing it it was just me so in the sahara filming mds it was just myself um and most of the most of the shooting was just myself or another camera operator whether that was my partner shani uh or my good friend ali tabrizi in the uk so it was a, a very small crew uh if a crew at all a crew of one well, you've done something extraordinary. Uh, I, I'm just, well, you know that. I'm going to stop saying how great it is because people are going to turn our show off. 
So I want to throw in something completely from left field. At least it seemed like left field to me because I thought I knew about Fiona and her work and that. And then I'm just reading what I got from your publicist. And it says, how do you manage to juggle running a sanctuary, training and competing in marathons and being a firefighter? When did that part come about? Well, that come about by accident, actually, Um, as everything does in my life. I was out running uh, years and years and years ago, and a car pulled up next to me. We live very rurally, even though we're quite close to London, we're on a peninsula. Not by American rurally, but for us, it it is quite out in the wilderness. And this car pulled up next to me, and he said, oh, you, you look quite fit. (laughs) Have you ever thought about becoming a firefighter? And I thought, this is a bizarre question, but go on. And he said, look, the ro- local station retained are looking for firefighters. Uh, would you be interested? And I kind of thought, is he having a joke? Actually, I thought, actually, when Keegan contacted me about making the film about me, I thought, is this Martin playing a prank on me? Because <laughs> I do get a lot of pranks played on me. And um, anyway, he said, no, if you're interested, come down the local fire station one evening a Monday evening and and see how you feel about it and I went down there and I kind of enjoy the kind of phys- I'm not the brain of Britain I, I'm very physically I mean it's all kind of just kind of grunt with me I'm, I'm not I'm not the world's you know sharpest you know person when it comes to grey matter um but he said you know um I, I kind of worked out Actually, this is another way that I can introduce veganism into a forum that probably wouldn't necessarily accept it or have to address it, i.e. I was the only female firefighter in my whole division at the time. And when I went to the actual induction course to see if I could get into the fire brigade, it's very, very male dominated. I remember being on the fire ground and we've done the bleep test and I'd done really, really well in that. Um, And uh, we were running out hoses and it was a very, very hot day. And the uh, sub-officer of the station um, called for some drinks for us. And the ladies brought out a tray of tea, but they put milk in it, cow's milk in it. And I didn't actually, uh, I didn't make a big fuss. I just said, I'm okay. I I don't need a drink or I'll have a glass of water. And there was a little bit of argy-bargy and went on. And he said, look, just drink the tea and uh, we'll get you a glass of water later. And I said, well, I can't because I'm a vegan. And the guy was really, really kind of hostile with me. And he stuffed his face right up to mine and said, well, I just want you to know that the last one of those we had down here lasted three hours. So you've got half an hour to go. But I'll tell you now, that was a man. And I thought, we check this vegan lady out because she ain't going nowhere till she's gone. <laughs> and um, yeah, anyway, I um, yeah, that's how it all came about. And, you know, everything I do, I kind of think, how can I make this? be beneficial for the animals and for me obviously it's something that I can do in my spare time um I can do it when Martin's at home or he's, he's here at the weekends and in the evenings or on holidays then I can be on call um it brings in some extra money for the animals and also it brings a little bit of awareness for the veganism to people that don't necessarily think that that's the domain a vegan would be in especially not a vegan lady and 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 when I go back to actually um, talking about the running, when I started realizing that if I wanted to be good at running, I would have to put a lot of like effort in, like I'd have to run like 100 miles a week and do all these speed sessions. I thought, is it going to be kind of worth investing that amount of time in something? How can I make this work for the animals? So it was kind of 
it would a promote veganism yes for sure but it would also be free advertising for the animal sanctuary because we have absolutely no budget for stuff like advertising i have to create my own interest in the sanctuary so when you win a race or you or you you do really well people say oh what do you do for a living i don't do it for a living but it gives me an opportunity to talk about the two things closest to my heart which is the sanctuary and promoting veganism in a positive way so that's that's basically what what the fire brigade is is about for me just like anything else just promoting veganism and making people aware of what i do and even when i've done things like you know I was invited to Buckingham Palace um, for the Queen's Garden Party to meet the Queen and Prince Philip. Um, people were saying, do I go? Do I not go? And I was thinking, well, have I got a dress? You know, what? I, I always wear a hat. Yeah, but like baseball cap is not acceptable. Um, so and it was the yeah, air. But if I do go, then, you know, obviously you get to... Um, you, you just be, be there in a, in a, in a kind of um, an environment that people don't expect... Um, a vegan animal rights activist to be in and uh, also you can make uh, aware of the fact that you need a special diet vegan diet and it just introduces it and makes these people who would not necessarily think about veganism have to at least think about it for that moment have you been to the palace already or is that coming up no, I've been. Yeah, I went with my mum. Yeah, and I did have to wear a dress, and it was pretty horrendous. Um, but um, uh, yeah, yeah, it really was. In fact, the dress I wore was my grandma's dress. It's like this 1950s flowery thing that I, that's all I got. And um, yeah, um, but I went, and yeah, it was uh, it was an experience. But it, you know, it, it introduced, it allowed conversation. Um, in a forum to people that wouldn't necessarily expect you to be there that's that's all I do that's that's the only reason I pretty much do anything in my life that is so stunning so I'm going to tell you something about one of your country women you may not know my listeners have heard this before but Muriel the lady doubting co-founder of of beauty without cruelty and her husband were to go to Queen Elizabeth's coronation and everybody Mm. at their level of peerage had to wear an ermine robe well they weren't going to wear ermine so Mm. they had fake ermine robes made Mm. way back in the early 50s I mean Mm. who knew they even had fake fur back then Mm. but they did it and she showed me the pictures and they looked like everybody else except they Mm. hadn't killed any animals yeah amazing 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 yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's when people forget, you know, the vegan movement started in the UK in the 40s with Donald Watson. Um, and I, indeed, one of the role models that helped my mum when I wanted to go vegan, she was she was vegan in, back in the 1950s, Miss Ball, my mum's piano teacher, um, oh. who um, who my mum turned to to seek advice on, on this little um, child that she'd uh, she'd born that was uh, obviously um, very adamant and very um, determined um, in in her beliefs. And um, that's why I think role models are so very, very important, people oh, that you can identify with. They uh, are so. And I was over there in 1980 to research my very first book, Compassion, The Ultimate Ethic. I, I was my college thesis and I got to interview and, and hang out with uh, people like Serena Coles and Kathleen Janaway, who had mm. been there in the 40s, mm. in the early days. Mm. I mean, you can't, you can't pay for experiences like that. No, They're absolutely. Too great. So mm. 
this radio station, Unity Online Radio, comes from this beautiful, very positive um, religious group founded by very vocal vegetarians back in the 1890s. And one of the things that Unity is very much about is a positive attitude. And you have a positive attitude in the most practical and useful way that I've ever heard. So often in the film when you were in these, just what to me just seemed like horrible, painful, awful straits, and you were saying, well, I have it so much better than most people and I'm so lucky to be able to be here. How can somebody who doesn't come by that naturally develop it? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard for me. I mean, I, I, I've i been through some pretty low times. I have suffered myself. And I think that that does probably reflect on my demeanour and my outlook on life. Um, I, I think sometimes you can't understand suffering and, until you've really been through it yourself. Um, but yeah, always look on the look, look. You know, it's the people who say, you know, uh, the cup's half empty or half full. Always try to think of those that are actually, and there are so many out there that are worse off than yourself. Trying to find the good side of everything rather than just immediately honing on the on the bad. That's basically how I try to live my life. It is difficult, obviously, at times, and the bad does spur me on to keep wanting to do more. I couldn't ever just, I mean, people say to me, oh, you know, you've done so much. I've done so little in terms of what actually needs doing. That's why I never like to sit back and congratulate myself on anything that I've ever done, because I'm just not worthy of that. Um, while ever there is an animal out there suffering, while ever people continue to buy into the abuse, while ever the the cruelty is perpetuated, I'm going to keep fighting on and realising that actually there's so much more that I should be doing and could be doing. Um, but yeah, just just always, but I always try to hang on to and hold on to the belief that I have made a tiny bit of difference along the way. And I'm surrounded by the little people here, not, not the gang, I call them a gang, but all, all the animals I call little people. Um, that actually, I look at now, I've got like four dogs looking at me thinking, what are you doing on that computer? Um, that I actually know I've made a difference to them. And obviously, sometimes even I do need to, to know that. Otherwise, it, it's a pretty challenging world to live in. Yes. So, Keegan, you have made a difference now in the three big aspects that we think of as veganism, the environment, health, and animals. So what's next? Working on a new film right now called Hungry for Justice, which is a food justice documentary with my friend John Lewis, who's known as the badass vegan online. Oh, yeah, uh, he's great. Yeah, he's a character for sure. And so the film is following John. Uh, John grew up in Ferguson, Missouri, um, African-American guy. And it's this question of why is it that Americans of color suffer from disproportionately higher rates of chronic disease than European Americans? And looking into... You know, the health disparities, the role that institutionalized racism plays in access to healthy food, um, nutritional racism in the government, on and on and on. Uh, but to try and answer this question and really find solutions to make it possible that all Americans uh, have access to healthy food, which is, I believe, everyone's right in this world. Uh, and so it's, it's shaping up to being a really powerful film. We're more than halfway through shooting right now. We hope to have it out probably this time next year. Um, no website up yet, but it's it's shaping up to be something, I think, really powerful. Oh, that's so important. And your company, First Spark Media, it, it is dedicated to creating films for social justice, and you're certainly doing that. So, Fiona, 
what are you going to do this evening? I know it's nighttime over there and you got all your animals. Has everybody been fed or do you still have more work to do? I've got more work to do. I've, we've got the new farm. Um, we've got, we were so blessed. We've, we've expanded the sanctuary. Um, and we are so blessed to have this idyllic place for the animals to live a lot of the animals to live but we still got the current sanctuary and I'm, I'm down at Tower Hill stables now so I will go and check everybody down here and make sure everybody's calm and happy and then I will drive back home to the other sanctuary um, Greystale Farm on the way I will check the four of the yards that we've got with the horses and then I will go and check um, the two poorly sheep that um, actually need one one needs his dressing changing tonight so I'll go and do that give him his painkilling injection and then I shall um go off to bed when when all the work's done I don't need much sleep so I'm all right and uh, I'm, I'm resting up a bit because I got back from the Atacama crossing uh, a couple of weeks ago another one of these ridiculous stage races and I'm kind of resting up to go to Antarctica next month and do another one so um I'm blessed I've got loads of energy I'm lucky to be to be able to do it. I'm just lucky to be able to work myself into the ground physically and mentally to, to keep wanting to do it. And I keep wanting to do it and wanting to do more uh, because there's so much it needs doing. You know, I don't want to sit back and just watch TV and rest and wonder what I'm going to have for my evening meal. It's of no interest to me. I just want to keep forging on as long as I can. And and you are, what, 25? <laughs> yeah, yeah I wish. no i don't wish i was 25 because i'd have it all to do again no definitely not 25 <laughs> double it and add some yeah well we don't talk about ages it's just they're all over the internet so everybody can find everybody yeah. well fiona bless you and keegan thank you for just all the amazing work that you guys do i'm, I'm just i'm I feel blessed. Keegan's the one with the talent. Keegan's the one you should be congratulating. He's the one that can reach the masses. He is the one with the talent. He's the future. And um, I'm humbled by him and the work he does and the work that Shani does. I really am. Um, you know, he's the one to focus on. He's the and, one that can make the difference. And we'll just say kudos to Keegan. <laughs> uh, the film, Running for Good. The website is runningforgoodfilm.com. Watch it before we're back together next week. Then you can call in and tell me how you loved it, too. We're going to be talking with uh, Dr. Will Tuttle next week and World Peace Yoga that he's done with Anna Ferguson, wonderful yoga person. And uh, peace to you all. God bless you. Eat your veggies. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Are you ready to ignite your best life and illuminate the world? I'm Stephanie James. I'm a motivational speaker, transformation coach, and psychotherapist. And what lights me up is helping people just like you create the greatest versions of themselves. On my podcast, Igniting the Spark, I will help you ignite your joy and reach new heights in your personal and professional life. Join me for some incredible conversations with authors, spiritual teachers, and other influential thought leaders to help guide you on your way. If you are ready to stop playing small, join me for Igniting the Spark, 
on the mindbodyspirit.fm network or wherever you get your podcasts and ignite your best life.